Amen. While we are in the book of Hebrews, as uh, we've been going through the Bible verse by verse, uh, we have actually, uh, we went through most of chapter 4 last week, and today we're going to begin in, in verse 14 of Hebrews 4. And last week, what we were talking about last week was just resting and trusting in the Lord. You know, I'm going to ask this of all of you, and those that were here last week, you know, how many of us returned to mistrust? You know, how many of us came to a place of not believing in His promises, maybe complaining and not obeying the words that He told us? Hopefully many of us didn't stay there. And hopefully many of us, you know, return back to that place of rest which is in the Lord. But what the Lord is going to speak to us about today is about crying out to Him in those times of need. It's about crying out to Him when we find ourselves in the trial, when we find ourselves misbelieving, when we find ourselves not trusting Him, when we find ourselves complaining and, 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 and not believing in the promises of His Word. See, the Lord knows all that we go through, and this is what He's going to share with us today. He sympathizes with us. He understands us. Everything that you go through, He knows it well. The challenges, He knows the storms that we go in, the fires that, we, that we're in. He knows the giants that want to destroy us. He knows it all well. And He wants to encourage us today as His high priest. See, what the Lord is doing today is He's living to make intercession for you and for me. He wants to help us. And today He wants you to have a greater understanding, a greater knowledge of this. And He's going to explain this to us through His Word. See, the Lord is not far from us. He's not absent from us. But He's deeply involved in every aspect of our lives. Some people always say, you know what, God's too busy. You know what, God's too busy for me. He's doing other things. He's not paying attention to me. It's a lie. See, the Lord loves us. And He understands us and He wants to help us. But He can only do that when we cry out to Him. See, that's what He wants us to come to a place of coming boldly into His throne room of grace. What we went over in the past weeks, you know, the writer of Hebrews, he showed us to, through the scriptures that Jesus was greater than the angels. He also showed us through the scriptures that he is greater than Moses, the giver of the law. And today he's going to show us that he is greater than the earthly high priest. That he is greater than Aaron and anyone that followed after him. See, the high priest, I want you to understand this because we're going to be talking about this. The high priest was the highest spiritual office that anyone could hold. The high priest was considered the one to be closest to God. And people looked to the high priest for spiritual guidance. That's who they looked for. They were looking for that high priest. They would go to the priest and ask them for guidance and direction. And today, Jesus is going to show us that He's the great high priest. That He is the one that we are to go to. 
to look for when it comes to spiritual guidance. With that, let us begin to read in verse 14 of Hebrews chapter 4. It says, There seen then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. You know, Jesus, he is given the title here of the great high priest. For those of you that don't know, you know what Jesus means? It means Savior. See, it means that Jesus came to save man from their sins. That's what the word Jesus means. That's what his name means. He was called Jesus because he would save man from their sins. But you know what's amazing about Jesus? Is that he was both man and God. And he came to unite man with God. See, because he came as man and he came as God. And he came to unite man that had been separated from God because of our sins. And that's what he came to do. But let's talk about the earthly ministry. I mean, the earthly high priest. Let's talk about his ministry. See, the earthly high priest back in the Old Testament and in the times of Jesus, there was a temple, and this is where God would dwell. Even though God was absent from there because of their sins, because of their idolatry. But this was a symbol, this was a place where God was to dwell. And so the high priest, in his earthly ministry, he would go there and he would serve God. And so, you know, this high priest is who the people would go to because they wanted that guidance, that help. But when we look at Jesus, I want to share this with you. You know where Jesus serves today? You know where Jesus is? He's in the heavenly tabernacle he isn't in an earthly tabernacle or an earthly temple. He's not in these four walls. He's in heaven and His Spirit dwells in us. See, we make up the church. The church is a group of believers that come together and that's who makes up the church. You know, many people when they say, you know what, I'm going to church, I'm going to go meet God. You know what, God isn't in those four walls. God lives and dwells in our hearts is what, the, is what the Word of God says. But who would be more superior? Let's talk about that. When we talk about the earthly high priest that serves in the temple or the heavenly high priest, the great high priest that serves in the heavenly tabernacle, I think most of us would agree that the one that is superior is the one that serves, right, in the heavenly tabernacle. But the Word of God says there, it says that He passed through the heavens. You know what? He's a greater high priest because He passed through the heavens. That's what Hebrews 4.14 says. How did He pass through the heavens? Let's talk about that, right? As we know, Jesus came, and this is what we celebrate today, right? We celebrate His death for us, the penalty that He paid for us. So when he came down to earth, what happened when he died? After he died, he rose from the dead, right? And he was seen on earth. And after he was seen on earth, where did he ascend to? He ascended into heaven. See, and when we think about this, right? Do you know what the first heaven is? The first heaven is the skies that we see today. You see the clouds when you look outside? 
You know, you see clouds and you see the, the sky. And then there's a second heaven. And you know where the second heaven is? The second heaven is where the stars and the planets are. That's called the second heaven. And the Bible calls the third heaven the place where God dwells. This is in the throne room of God. This is where he lives. And that third heaven, he had to pass from earth through the heavens to enter there. And that's where he dwells today. But when it comes to the earthly high priest, did you know that he could only enter into the tabernacle, the holy of holies, only once a year? That's all he can do. He can only enter into that Holy of Holies once a year. And that was for the Day of Atonement. When he would sacrifice for his sins and for the sins of the nation. And so, as we read there, the writer says, let us hold fast our confession. See, because when we think about this, right? These Jews... What they were going through, they were going through heavy persecution. Many of them were thinking about going back to the law. And the law that I'm talking about is the law that was given by Moses. The, the Mosaic law, the things that they needed to do in order to be right with God. And many of them were saying, you know what? We're thinking about giving up our faith. You know, we're thinking about going back into the Mosaic law, into the traditions. And the writer of Hebrews was saying, hold fast your confession. You serve a high priest, not a, a, a priest that is an earthly priest, but a heavenly priest that will intercede for you, that will help you and will guide you. You know, don't go back to the one that you were serving before, that earthly high priest. You know what? You serve now God that is where? In the heavenly tabernacle. And he was telling them, don't walk away from this. Hold fast our confession. As we keep reading in verse 15. In verse 15 it says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. The high priest that he's talking about, is the Lord Himself. Is the Son of God, God in the flesh. And what it's telling us there is that He understands you. Did you know that Jesus understands everything that you go through? See, He knows your hurts. He knows your pains. He knows your tears. How many of us were crying last night? He knows your tears. He knows every teardrop that fell from your eye, that ran down your cheek. How many of you cried two days ago, or three days ago, or a week ago, or a month ago? He knows those hurts. He knows those, tempta uh, those, those pains and those sorrows. He knows everything that you went through and that you're going through. It also says that He also understands your temptation. See, he also went through these things. See, Jesus came to earth. And when he came to earth, 
he also experienced pain and suffering. You know that Jesus came as a baby, right? He was born in the flesh and he came as a baby. And when he was a baby, he cried. Why did he cry? Either he was cold or he was hungry or he was in pain. And the same thing happened to him when he grew older, right? You know what? He had the same things that, he went through the same things that we did. And as we celebrate today, right before his death, what did he go through? You know, in the last three years of his ministry, when he walked on earth, was he not going through ridicule? Was he not going through rejection? Was he not mocked by others? Did he not grow weary and tired? You know, he grew hungry and he had to rest at times. You know, he was overwhelmed with things just as we are. And he was also tempted to sin. We know this to be a fact, right? Because remember, after his baptism, he went into the wilderness. And when he went there, who was there to tempt him? Satan himself, right? I think we've all read the account in Matthew 4. As Satan tempts him, right? But yet he doesn't sin. So he knows what it feels like to be tempted. He knows what it feels like to suffer. He knows what it feels like to experience hardship. Did you know that Jesus cried also? You know what? Do you remember when Lazarus, when he died and Mary and Martha were saying, What happened to you, Jesus? Why didn't you come in time to keep him from dying, to save him? And when he looked at all the people crying, knowing what death brings to people, how separation brings hardship and pain, that he also began to weep. He cried himself. There was another place where he cried, and, and we're going to talk about that one later. But I do want to share this with you. Even though he, te he was tempted, he didn't sin. And I want to talk about this because, see, for us to understand temptation, you know, we have to put ourselves back there. How many of you were tempted yesterday to sin? I think many of us, I think every single one of us should be raising our hands, right? I don't think there's not one of us here that is exempt from temptation. And some of us fell into it, didn't we? But some of us were able to withstand it. Some of us weren't able to, you know what, to fall into the temptation that we were faced with. And we were able to withstand it. Did you know that Jesus throughout his earthly ministry, when he walked on earth, he didn't sin? Isn't it? For someone that can withstand temptation, isn't it easier for that person to understand it? The one that fell into temptation, he fell, right? And he did it. But the one that remained sinless, the temptation was intense and it was relentless. And so Jesus, as it says, he can understand the temptations that we go through. And let's keep reading in verse 16. It says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy 
and find grace to help in time of need. See, Jesus knows temptation. But what we see here, as we're reading that he understands our weaknesses, we are instructed to do one thing, and that is to go into the throne of grace. Let me talk to you about the Jews, right? You know, whenever the Jews were tempted, they had an earthly high priest. And remember, the writer of Hebrews is trying to explain to them that they have a greater high priest than the earthly priest that they would deal with than the high priest, right? And so whenever a Jew was tempted, or whenever the Jew was going through hardship, he couldn't just go to the high priest. He couldn't just go to him at any time. Because he also that high priest, he couldn't go to God into the Holy of Holies except for once a year. But see, when it comes to the believer, when it comes to the Christian, we are encouraged to go to our high priest on a daily basis. Not just once a day. You could go any time of the day, 24-7. He is available for us whenever we are going through hardships, whenever you are tempted, whenever you have a weakness. Jesus is encouraging us. Come boldly. Come in confidence. Don't come with timidity. Don't come with fear. Don't come with doubt. But come with confidence. He's saying, you come boldly to me. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to understand your sorrow. I'm going to understand your pain, your doubt, your fears, your temptations. And you know what I'm going to give you? I'm going to give you strength in times of weakness. I'm going to give you the ability to rest in me as we talked about last week. See, the Lord is there to help us. But whenever you're in time of need, who's the first person you go to? Some of us go to our mom, right? Some of us go to our dads, right? Some of us go to our friends. Some of you come to your pastor. You know what the Lord wants you to do? He wants you to go to Him. Don't ever forget that. If there's anything that you walk away with today, is that Jesus wants you to go to Him. That's what His Word is instructing you. Why do you walk around defeated? Why do we walk around as if we have no hope? We have the throne of grace to walk into. And He's there to encourage us. He's there to guide us and to lead us. We should not walk around with our shoulders crunched over in defeat. But let us go into that throne of grace. See, the Lord says, I'm here. I'm your high priest. Come to me. See, grace is an amazing thing. You know, when we talk about the throne of grace, we know that we don't deserve any of this, right? Do you deserve to walk into the presence of God when you have a need? Because of our sin, we're wicked, we're evil. The temptation and the, the falling into the temptation, into sin. But yet His throne of grace is available for all of us to walk into. He says, 
that we, will, we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Mercy is getting not what you deserve, right? We deserve judgment, but instead He gives kindness and love and mercy. His favor, His help, His guidance, His intervention is given to us if we exercise going into His throne of grace. You know, there's those times, I'll tell you this, where I feel like I'm overwhelmed with things. And when I begin to go into that throne of grace, guess how I come out? I come out with my shoulders high and saying, Lord, you're in control. Lord, you're helping me. Lord, you're going to guide me and lead me and direct me and all of these things. You're greater than they are. And I could rest in you. See, the Lord doesn't give us more than we can handle. He just wants us to come to Him so that He can handle it for us and He could give us a way of escape. And this is from 1 Corinthians 10, 13. That no temptation is before us that we cannot overcome. But the Lord gives us a way of escape. See, we see this and we know this. See, Jesus is all the resources that you and I need. But do we go into the throne of grace? Whenever we're experiencing hardship, whenever you're crying, whenever you have pain and sorrow, this is where God wants you to go. He wants you to walk away with today knowing that He's available for you 24-7. He's never too busy. And He will help you. But when you leave that throne of grace, leave it there. Leave your problems. Don't take them back. Have trust and, and, and rest and faith in Him. Let us go into chapter 5, verse 1. It says, For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray since he himself is also subject to weaknesses. Because of this, he is required as for the people, so also for himself to offer sacrifices for sins. The high priests that they are talking about, they're not referencing here Jesus Christ. This isn't the high priest that the writer of Hebrews is talking about. He's talking about the earthly high priest. He's talking about Aaron and those that came after him. The spiritual leaders. In order for them to help you, to guide you. They were there, right? Only to cover your sins and to make you acceptable to the Lord. In order to approach God, you needed your sins covered. They were never cleansed because the sacrifices, all they did was cover your sins. They could not cleanse them. Otherwise, there would not need to be sacrifices done after. See, if the sacrifices, as the writer is saying, if they truly cleanse your sin, then they wouldn't have to do it time and time again, year after year, time after time. In order for a priest to have compassion, the priest needed to be chosen from man. See, because, see, I can have compassion on others. You can have compassion on others. Because you yourself are tempted. Because you yourself have experienced suffering and pain and tears and sorrow. And so that's why the 
earthly priests were chosen from among men. He was also a sinner. And so as we think about this, right? As we think about, you know what, this man that was chosen by God to, uh, to offer sacrifices for sins and gifts to the Lord. We know that he was done because he could have compassion. And let's read in verse 4 what it says. And no man takes his honor to himself, but he who is called by God, just as Aaron was. Did you know that no one could be a priest unless God has called you to do that? And I'm not talking about today's priest. I'm talking about the priest that the writer of Hebrews is talking about. The Jewish priest. Did you know that they could only come from the tribe of Levi? And it was only God that can call you to be a priest. Just like he says, just as Aaron was called. Which, who here remembers King Saul? You know who King Saul was, right? King Saul was the first earthly king of the Jews. Earthly king. They wanted a king like the other nations. And so they chose King Saul. And King Saul was a man of stature. He looked like a king. If there was anyone that looked like a king, they said King Saul was that man. He was handsome and tall and broad. There was a majestic presence about him and everyone said let's get King Saul as our king and God chose him but there was a time and it's in 1 Samuel 13 when King Saul said you know what I want to offer burnt offerings and peace offerings just like the priest I want to do what they do I want to cover our sins. I want to dedicate the people to God. I want there to make us to make peace with God so that He can help us. And did you know that as soon as He decided to do the priestly duties, you know what God did? The Lord says, you know what? I'm stripping you of your kingdom. You are no longer the king of my people. Why did He do that? Because only God can call the high priest or the priest of his people. That's what the writer is saying here. Did you know also in Numbers 16, there were these people, the son, Korah and his sons, right? The sons of Korah. They wanted to be priests. They said, you know what, Moses and Aaron, who gives you the right? Who do you think you are? You know what, God... Why, do you, why can you? Why are you the only priest? Who has chosen you? I want to be a priest too. I have the right to be a priest just like you guys. And you know what the Lord did? Moses says, okay, you know what? If you think you should be priest, we'll let God decide this. We'll let God decide this later. And that later time came. And you know what happened? Those that God hadn't chosen, which were the sons of Korah, the earth opened up and swallowed them. And the Jews knew this. And so that's why the writer of Hebrews is telling them, you know what? Only God can call the priest. Only God can call the high priest. 
And so let's read in verse 5 what it says. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him. We're talking about God who said to Jesus, you are my son, today I have begotten you. God the Father has called Jesus to be the high priest. See, Jesus was both man that can sympathize and understand us, right? And he was God that lives to make intercession for us today. And he's helping and interceding for us. And what he quotes here is from Psalm 2-7. But I want us to have a greater understanding of what this says. You are my son, today I have begotten you. It sounds like, you know what, that Jesus was born, right? That, that you know, that he came from God, that, you know what, that somehow he, you know, that somehow they, that he came into being. But that's not what it references there. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 13. In Acts chapter 13, we have a greater understanding of what this scripture is referencing. In Acts chapter 13, verse 33, it says there, God has fulfilled this for us, their children. In that he has raised up Jesus, as it is also written in the second psalm, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption. So this is actually speaking of the resurrection. His son was begotten now into a new life into, in his resurrection and now he ascended into heaven in a glorified body. For what reason? To be our high priest. This is why he has come now. To be our high priest. This is why he ascended into heaven. To be our high priest. And this is his ministry now. And this is why Jesus is asking us, Come boldly now into my throne room. Into the throne of grace. Because I'm here to help you, to guide you. I know what you're going through. And I can give you rest if you come to me. See, this is what Jesus is now doing. In the heavens, interceding for all of us. As we go back to Hebrews. In verse 6 it says, As he also says in another place, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. You know, when we have here Psalm 110.4 that is quoted. This is from Psalm 110 verse 4. And he mentions, you know what? Why would Jesus be a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek? Who is Melchizedek? Melchizedek was a king of Salem. And you know what Salem means? Peace, shalom, that's peace. So Melchizedek is the king of peace. But see, Melchizedek is only mentioned in two places in the Old Testament. One is in Genesis 14, and the other one is in Psalm 110, the one that we're quoting from here. In, in Genesis 14, he's called King Melchizedek. But he also has another title there. And the other title is that he is a priest of God. 
See, what's awesome about this is that Jesus now is called a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. What this is telling us now is that Jesus is not only a high priest, but he's also the king. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. See, what happened with Melchizedek is that after Abraham, and many of you know or may not be aware, but Lot, his nephew, he was taken into captivity. And when Lot was taken into captivity, Abraham did what any of us would do, right? We would go rescue our family members, right? And so that's what Abraham does. Abraham goes and rescues his nephew Lot. And he conquers these kings, these nations, in rescuing Lot. And so King Melchizedek, he comes, and he comes to bless Abraham for the things that he has done. And then Abraham, in return, gives him his tithes and his offerings. And all of a sudden, from there, King Melchizedek disappears. We never hear of his death. But see, one thing we know about King Melchizedek is that he had a dual role. And the dual role was that he was both king and priest. No other man has been called a king and a priest. In the Old Testament and in the New Testament, the only one that was called a king and a priest was Melchizedek. I want to share this with you. There was also another king. His name was King Uzziah, and he is from 2 Chronicles 26. And he also was the king of Israel. But you know, he also wanted to be a priest. And as a priest, when he began to exercise the responsibilities and what a priest does, do you know what happened? He was struck down with leprosy. Why? Because he couldn't serve both as king and as priest. So the only one to be king and priest was King Melchizedek, and now it is given to King Jesus. Where did the high priest, the earthly high priest come from? From what tribe could they come from? The tribe of Levi, right? And if he was from the tribe of Levi, those were the only ones that could be the high priest or the priest. But when it came to Jesus, he comes from a different order, the order of Melchizedek. And because of that, he can also be a priest as well as a king. If we keep reading in verse 7, it says, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him, who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Do you know what this is talking about? This is talking about Jesus. This is what we're celebrating today. This is the time before he was crucified. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 22. In Luke chapter 22, in verse 41, it talks about the Lord being in the garden of Gethsemane. Let's read from verse 39 there in Luke 22. It says there, Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives, as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. 
When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And Jesus was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthened him, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. See, Jesus went through great agony. Jesus went through great pain and suffering. See, even sweat, drops of blood. See, Jesus, I want you to understand this. He wasn't praying to be spared, but to be saved out of death. See, he was praying for his resurrection from the dead. That's what he was praying for. See, and it tells us that, if we go back to Hebrews, it tells us that God heard his, his prayer. And that's why it says there, that as he heard his prayer, he saved them from death. See, this is what he was praying about, that he would, be, that he would raise from the dead, that he would be saved out of death. And he was praying to his father. And verse 8 says, Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Jesus, it says, learned obedience. Not that Jesus could be disobedient. But he learned obedience. Because he was able to... To understand now. See the learning of obedience. Was an understanding. Of what is involved in obedience. So that he can identify with us. See God knows all right. He knows all as God. But in his human flesh. He would now experience what we experience. And he would now know what is involved. When it comes to obedience. As we go through suffering, as we go through pain, as we go through sorrow, Jesus walked in our shoes and that's what he's saying. And he knows what we go through. And he talks about, you know what? That Jesus has been perfected. It's not that it's saying that Jesus was imperfect, but the word perfection means here that he is now complete. Why is he complete? Because he is now equipped for his heavenly ministry, which was to be our high priest, which was knowing and experiencing the things that we go through here on earth. He's able to have compassion on us. He's able to understand us. He's able to help us and to encourage us in our time of need. This is what he was being prepared for. This is why he was complete and now perfect in this. And that's why he says, when you're going through pain and sorrow, you come to the throne of grace. And just as Jesus obeyed his father, he went from suffering into triumph. So will we. He's the example. He's saying, if you trust in me and if you obey me, you will also go from suffering to triumph. See, this is what Jesus is trying to tell us through his word. See, salvation, as we know, it comes 
by faith, by trusting in God. No matter what you're going through, we must obey Him and trust Him and have faith in Him. See all the tears that you've shed, all the sorrow, all the suffering, all the pain, all the agony. We all face giants, as Richard alluded to earlier. You look at the world economy. You look at the world today. Can you take comfort in it? None of us can say, you know what? We have comfort in what the world offers. But we have hope in Jesus. Because we're going to go from suffering. We're going to go from pain. We're going to go right into triumph. Just as Jesus rose from the dead, so will we. We will have the same glorified body that He had. This isn't our home. Don't get so attached to this. Don't think that this is the ending. This is only the beginning of where we're going to go. See, we're all going to end up in heaven. And we're going to live in eternity as we place our trust and our faith in Him. As it says there, we finish verse 10. It says, called by God as high priest according to to the order of Melchizedek. He is the king of kings. He is your high priest. According. To the order of Melchizedek. And with that we're going to close. Lord Jesus. We just want to thank you Lord. For reminding us. That you want us to come into your throne of grace. That your desire is that we would be there Lord. Lord. Whatever we're going through Lord. You're able to have compassion and understanding. And you're able to give us a way of escape. You're interceding on our behalf for our strength in you. For our trust in you. For us not to faint when we walk. For us not to grow weary when we run. You're interceding on our behalf that we would fly with wings of eagles. If there's anyone here that may not have this relationship with the Lord at this time. Now is the time to make it right with Him. If there's anyone here that has never committed their lives and wants to recommit your life to Him, now is that day. Today is a day of salvation. Today is a day to make yourselves right with Him. We're going to have communion now. And the Lord desires that we would be right with Him when we have communion there's anyone here that wants to commit or recommit your life to the Lord, I ask that you raise your hand and we will pray for you. Amen. 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 Anyone else? Amen. Amen. Lord, you saw these hands that went up, Lord. They want to invite you into their hearts. They're surrendering their lives to you. Lord, before us all, Lord, they're humbling themselves and making you their Lord and Savior. We thank you for them, Lord. There's any here that need prayer, that need that boldness to come into the throne of grace, raise your hand and we will pray for you. Is there anyone here? Amen, 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 amen. Lord, we see these hands, Lord, that want to come at the time of need, Lord. Remind them by your Spirit, Lord. Move them and direct them and encourage them, Lord. Not to go to others, but to come to you, Lord. Lord, you are the great high priest. And you're interceding on their behalf. May they come boldly, Lord, into your throne of grace. That they may obtain mercy, Lord. Obtain that mercy. 
in time of need. Lord Jesus, we thank you for them and we pray this in Jesus' name. Men, can you come forward to pass out the communion elements?